This week on the Tykeens Podcast, we talk about inflation and what it means to you. This is the podcast that gives you the right frame of mind to make the choices for yourself and your family. Keens, I've decided to start a podcast. Now, I do live streams for other people and host, um, but I can't really say what I want to say on these live streams because I want to try to fit in with the views of the people that are participating in these live streams since, since I'm a host. Um, well, fuck that. I kind of want to speak my own mind somewhere, and I want to kind of tackle inflation and what it means um, to you, to me, um, to firms, to the financial sector, to the government. And there's there's a lot of misconceptions, lies uh, that float around of what causes inflation. Um, you have your your mainstream economic perspective that is, you know, printing money um, causes inflation, um, which is short-sighted and incorrect. There's there's more, and look at that. We have our producer, Daniel Sanderson's name, in my slot here. Let's change it. Let's change it to Tykeens. Let's... Uh, Change that. Okay. I'm not even going to edit this shit. I'm just going to put it out there. So we have inflation caused by money printing, which is a fallacy. You can print as much pieces of paper or digital currency inside of ledgers. um, And if it doesn't get used, it's not going to cause inflation. And I think a a good case study would be COVID-19. So... We'll, we'll look at the d- demand side of inflation. You can have demand inflation that's not caused by money printing. Okay, so let's use the example. When COVID-19 first started, we had a run on toilet paper. At this point, we're at the very, very beginning of COVID-19. So nothing's been shut down. People are still going to work. Now, if you'd went into the supermarkets, you'd see prices were rising because of demand. This wasn't because there was more money being pumped into the system at that time. It was a behavioral effect. People wanted to buy more toilet paper. Demand went up. So that whole fallacy of somehow core, this is your your structure, your the quantity of theory uh, of money. You know, if there's more money, prices go up. Now, there's an argument that the price level is constantly going up because of money. This this is okay. That's okay. We expect 2% inflation, you know, uh, uh, month on month, year on year. That, that's an expectation we have. It's not a big deal. Your wages go up, prices go up. Now, when you get into the acceleration or the change... 
So when prices change rapidly, either deflationary or inflationary, you could run into problems. Um, I would suggest that most inflation is a supply issue. So we look at inflation over the last three years, and of course, we've, we've battled inflation, you could say. This is caused by a war in Ukraine and the supply constraints caused by a global pandemic. Not because of excess money. I will say that excess money, if is if it's being used. So if you here's the exa- another example with COVID nineteen. So we gave unemployment checks to individuals in the economy. Um, they were not producing anything. The industry they were in was shut down temporarily. That can be inflationary. So people are getting a unit of currency to buy stuff. That's not being produced. There is that possibility. But with COVID-19, that time people were off work, two months, three months, that was relatively short. We do, we do now operate in, you know, next day supply services, you know. So we don't have big inventories, but we do have a global inventory. Uh, so that was being drawn down. Um, but people then, then went back to work. Okay, they went back to fucking work. You know, COVID-19, we weren't shut down for three years. We went back to producing. But there had been bottlenecks created, supply bottlenecks. This caused inflation. This is what inflation is. Now, when I think about I, I build system dynamic models, okay? So intuitively, when I, I build the structure of the model, I'm thinking, okay, what is the output? And what is the consumption? So in a model, output is what people are creating from the capital stock. Physical goods and services. They could be investment goods. They could be consumption goods. And then you have the economy um, buying those goods. Now, if you're buying less than, than what is being produced, obviously that's probably going to be disinflationary in a sense. Um, inventory is going to be built up, built up. Now, when you involve a global economy, of course, your nation's going to then export that excess inventory. So you're not going to have deflation happening. Now, vice versa, if your economy is not producing enough um, for its citizens to purchase, then you import and that would balance inflation. So the world does, or your nation doesn't uh, go into hyperinflation. Yeah, there's that word, fucking hyperinflation. Mainstream fucking bullshit. Um, here's the thing. So the argument is, well, if you're importing abroad, you know, they you could import their inflation. Well, I'll tell you, those countries that are exporting are not going to want to export inflation, higher prices. They want to export their product at a competitive price versus other countries that want to export their product to us at um, lower prices. That's how it works. That's when I model something. That's kind of where I'm working from, supply and demand. But it's not just a supply issue, just a demand issue, or some fucking illusion cross you know, that equilibrium, that's bullshit. In system dynamics, that's bullshit. You might oscillate around an equilibrium, but trust me, you're going up and down every which way through it, okay? And so when you're on one trend, the mainstream economist says, says oh, you're overheating, you're down, downtrain, you're, you're underheating. 
It's all fucking bullshit. Every fucking mainstream economic model is bullshit. I've looked at them all. I try to replicate them using system dynamics. Now, system dynamics is the study of emergent properties. You have different system states, and system states are stocks. Things where a flow goes in and a flow goes out, that stock goes up and down. You call that a system state. You have all those system states interacting, creating feedback effects, okay? And out of that, you get emergent properties. So your mind could probably take two system states, you know, do a mental model and be like, logically, this is what's going to happen. But when you start adding a third system state, a fourth system state, your mind can't handle that. You've got to use computer software, which I do. Okay, so I've tried to take these mainstream models um, and check if, if their units are correct. Check if they're just mathematically sound. Guess what? They're not. You can't do a dimensional analysis on these models. They have fictional units. So basically, these economists, mainstream economists, make up math. They make up units. You know, sometimes I've seen in the extreme examples, I see people trying to add one pound to one kilometer, essentially. That's what I mean about you can't do a dimensional analysis. It doesn't fucking work. That's not how you do fucking math. They don't have time dimensions, so they work in these arbitrary periods because the data's in periods. So you get your your unemployment, your weekly data sets for unemployment, your your monthly CPI data. And economists say, well, we'll build our models around these periods. Well, guess what? The world doesn't fucking operate in fucking periods. It's continuous. System dynamics is a continuous way of modeling. So you can find out what's happening in the rate of change and acceleration between these periods. Okay, so mainstream uh, uh, economists have inflation all wrong because for one, they can't model. Right. So they have these abstract ideas and they're either on one side of the fence. It's demand. It's demand. We've printed too much money. There's too many settlement balances inside the banking system sitting there. It's inflationary. What the fuck are you talking about? That makes no sense. It's just sitting there. Now, it can be inflationary. This Now, when I talk about settlement balances, there's another term for it. It's called reserves. So a bank, all banks generally uh, in every country will have an account at the central bank. The treasury, the national treasury, will have an account at the central bank. Okay, That is the banking system for banks and the national government. That's what I talk about settlement balances. Primarily what those settlement balances do is banks um, have customers with deposit accounts. Um, And so one bank might have a customer that does a transaction with another customer at a different bank. The bank can mark down their customer's accounts, no problem. That's simple accounting. But they then owe another bank money and they use their settlement balances they all have at the central bank to do those exchanges. Um, But generally, just big, big uh, settlement balances aren't going to do anything to the economy. In fact, they won't even affect interest rates beyond a certain band. 
So the the central bank sent, now sets uh, interest rates on reserves or settlement balances. That means whatever a bank is holding in their account with the central bank, they'll earn some interest on it. They also provide what's called a discount window. And this is when the central bank lends money to the banks if they need extra settlement balances or reserves. That creates a ceiling. So now you have interest on reserves and interest for a loan, the bank, and then the interbank market fluctuates in between that. That's how it, it works. So that, that's the effect of, you know, any extra government spending, which is constrained by a channel by the central bank. Um, and it gets a little more technical when you involve treasuries, which are the bonds um, that uh, the government offsets their spending with in their, their treasury account. Uh, in the States, I think it's around 5 to $10 billion they try to keep in their treasury account now, like a constant level. And they'll do that through the issuance of bonds, or they'll use TNL accounts, which are tax and loan accounts in the private banking sector to try to keep a stability in their account with the central bank. So what I'm trying to get around to is none of that is buying goods and services. Okay, so that whole fallacy about government spending um, driving up inflation, for the most part, is utter fucking bullshit. We don't, and here's the thing is you, you, you'll you say, well, wait a minute, the, the government spending, okay, it, it goes into a bank's uh, account at the central bank. Well, the bank then creates deposits where, where that government spending is going. Correct. That's right. Uh, bank, bank money is being created by the act of government spending if it's done through the central bank and not a TNL account. Well, guess what? Do we build factories th that we start at peak capacity? So let's say I, I'm going to build a factory. It can make 100 cars um, a month. Okay, I'm going to design a factory um, and I expect my demand is going to be a hundred cars a month and there'll be more. It'll grow over time, but I'm just going to build it to cover that, that, uh, hundred cars. Of course, I'm not going to fucking do that. That's the stupidest shit you could think of. Now, mainstream economists will tell you that's how the economy works. When you build a factory, I might build it. So it has the capacity to build 200 cars in the future, right? Now, I don't have to use many inputs. I won't have to hire as many employees, okay, use as much power, and only produce 100 cars, but I can grow with demand, okay? So there is spare capacity in the system at all times for government spending to employ uh, resources. Now, it's true, you know, if, if, if the, the economy is at full capacity in some sense, if you could measure that properly, and the government injects a bunch of money, then you are competing with the private sector. And you could have a problem with that, and it could be inflationary. But generally, that's never the case. If you look at all of the inflationary periods over the last century, none of them had anything to do with printing fucking money. They were externalities, okay? I can't even say the fucking word. I'm getting so frustrated right now. Wars, energy crunches, 1980s, 70s, energy crunch. It had nothing to do with printing money. Inflation is not printing money. Inflation might affect the price level, 
which it does over time. Companies want capital to start projects. The project doesn't exist yet. Okay, so it's not creating output. But money's created first as capital to start that project. So the money supply is always growing a bit faster than the physical output, you could say, if you could measure the two properly. That is part of our capitalist society. There's a reasonable amount of inflation that happens or the devaluing of your currency. It's all happening relative to everything else in the economy. So it doesn't really fucking matter. Okay? It doesn't matter. And I might add, too, the recent bout of inflation is the lowest bout of inflation we've seen in the last hundred years in inflationary events. You've got the fucking media amping all this bullshit up. Okay? As for interest rates, so the traditional mainstream approach is to raise interest rates and kill demand. You've got one side of the argument, MMT, we'll say, that says, well, hold on, wait a second. If you're boosting interest rates and, you know, the, the so assets like bonds, treasuries are going down, they've got, they got to pay a higher rate of interest, the government. You're putting more money into the economy. Well, that's going to be inflationary. That doesn't make sense. you got the other side of the fence that says, well, okay, well, consumers are going to have less money, okay, because they've got to pay more interest. They're going to buy less. It's going to be disinflationary. When you all really net it, and interest doesn't really do anything. It doesn't do anything. You've got parts that are increasing aggregate demand, so the government's paying more in interest prices, so pumping in some sort of funds into the uh, private sector. Meanwhile, the heavy consumers in the private sector, which is your households and firms, um, are now paying a higher rate of interest. That's going to the financial sector, that doesn't invest as much and who they are paying dividends and even their own workers are high income earners. So they don't spend as much. That's somewhat deflationary. Really, I think, and this is in my opinion, it just offsets itself. Okay. It's a big fucking sham. If you build a system dynamic model, you can build it. You'll, you'll have periods of a, a high inflation. Okay. When people are consuming, wages are high, and there's less profit. And it goes back and forth. It's an endogenous behavior. It's the age-old battle between profit and wages, creating a business cycle. That's going to go on forever. Government can come in and try to smooth it out. There is appropriate times for government to spend, especially on social programs. And I might add, MMT is correct. Government can just create its own currency to meet these obligations. It's their currency. They can just do that. Is it appropriate at all times? No, of course not. Sometimes the, the private sector is operating just fine. We want to live in a capitalist society. Okay? So really, what, what and this was interesting, uh, Blair F Fix covered this a little bit, is really since the 1970s, interest rates have been following inflation. That's all that's been happening. Inflation starts going down, interest rates going down. And somehow the mainstream says there's a causal effect there. Just fucking correlation. At this point, all the evidence is pointing that most of it is correlation. Does interest, when you're trying to treat inflation, affect certain sectors of the economy? Yes. Households. Households are negatively affected. 
So in trying to cure inflation, you're hurting the common citizen with another tax at the same time. So not only are they dealing with inflation, now they're dealing with higher interest rates. In this day and age, you've got a car loan, you've got your mortgage, you probably put all your appliances on some form of credit with the appliance store. Okay. In some economies, the the rates of interest are fixed for a duration, but eventually those come due and there's an adjustment. And all hell breaks loose. It's not an effective way. We could look at it from another perspective too. If you think, if you're looking from a supply perspective, okay, there's not enough supply going on. So let's kill demand and ensure there's not enough supply. You know, short of actually literally killing people in the population, population's still going to grow. That demand's still going to grow. It's still going to be there. But now you're killing that productive nature in the economy with dis, dis, essentially interest rates are distributing income to the financial sector. Financial sector is not productive, people. It's not fucking productive. It's a fucking house of cards. It's a house of fucking cards. Productive sector is industry and the labor that works in that industry. And so when you start crushing that aspect, crushing firms, which lay off workers, workers can't purchase as as much, there's less supply. Meanwhile, you're dealing with inflationary pressures. I think less supply is going to help that. Think about the fucking logic in that. Think about that Larry fucking Summers from your private fucking island. Think about that. Does that make any sense? Where's your data to back up all of your theories about inflation? Where is it? Where is it, Larry? Where is it, Ben Bernanke? Where is it? Don't get fooled by these um, imposter post-Keynesians either. You know, the heterodox side. So the heterodox is separate from the mainstream. Paul Krugman, he's an idiot too. He is not post-Keynesian. We all have opinions on on how the world works. We're all entitled, entitled to those mental models. Um... But I think if you sit down and use tools like agent-based modeling or system dynamics and look at feedbacks and look at the world, you know, instead of A is doing something, so that influences B and walk away and say, well, you know, there's correlation data from 100 years now or, you know, uh, the 1970s. Well, look at inflation and interest rates. Well, you know, inflation goes down, interest rates go down, or inflation's going up, interest rates are going up. Well, there's the, the causation is what's important. You know, you can use tools like System Dynamics. I use Minsky, developed by Steve Keen, but you could use a lot of other tools. And really look at the economy in aggregate and all its moving parts. There's boundaries. There's system boundaries in every system. That's what you got to be looking at, right? And they have knock-on effects. And sometimes they loop all the way back around. So I often hear people, 
that don't understand complex systems say, well, you're making a circular argument. Well, that's how systems work. You know, it, it has a bunch of system states and they're all intertwined and you're going to have feedbacks, right? It gets very hard. It gets very hard to process that in, in the human brain. So we have tools now that we can look at this, right? We have tools. You know what? That The heterodox is growing tremendously, you know, and we have many great speakers out there. I can think of one, Steve Grumbine. He's giving you the fucking information. Macaron cheese. All the elite, elite thinkers goes on his show. And we do that through technology. So you have technology that gives you the systems or the, the, the software to actually do some models and get some real answers. And you have all these sources of media now where you're not stuck getting a CNBC or Bloomberg or BNN or whatever the fuck you're watching and getting fucking lies. You've got those sources of information. You've got the Steve Keen and Friends show, which I happen to host, right? That brings on scientists. Scientists, like the real hard sciences. Not this fucking quackery called economics. It's bullshit. Make sure you subscribe to my channel, at Ty Keens on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, at Ty Keens. I'm going to keep doing these rants because I'm fucking tired of this shit. Right? I'm tired of the arguments, the back and forth. Tired of it all. doesn't even fucking make sense anymore. Is capitalism dead? No, I don't think so. I think there's a, the component of the free market can exist. Corporations that monopolize whole sectors? That's a fucking problem. That could be a fucking problem. Now that's another story. That's another podcast. Thanks. Thanks for listening to me rant for 30 minutes. I want you to just think about what I said. Think about supply. Think about demand. Remember, demand doesn't have to be caused by money printing. It can be behavior within a human being, a complex human being. Rethink what you think demand is. Rethink what you think supply is. Rethink how they interact. Don't get trapped in Say's fucking law. That's fucking bullshit, too. It's not science. Think about it. I'll see you next week.